comes the bride, all dressed in. Why do we do half the things we still do at weddings? And who's gonna write all those checks? It's my wedding industrial complex. Okay, America, welcome to My Wedding Industrial Complex, the podcast about weddings for people who are afraid of weddings. You are Liz. And you are Tegan. And we're here to talk to you about weddings, kind of. Kind of. Uh, I am an engaged person. My fiance. Yeah, he's not your boyfriend no more. He's not my boyfriend no more. And I got engaged back in May. May? March. Damon? March? May? May. (laughs) He's nodding. (laughs) I'm a sentimental woman. <laughs> Liz is a presently engaged person. Engaged. Who is in the process of planning a wedding. I think that the knot told me today that we are 290 days away from our wedding. That seems very threatening. Doesn't it? It's sort of like a weird, like, impending. It's sort of like 15 seconds to geostorm, you know? <laughs> it is a little bit like 15 seconds to geostorm. Uh, every time that I look at my email, like, um... Luckily, the wedding that we are planning is a lot less stressful than I think some weddings can be. Mm. Uh, so that wedding countdown is not so horrible because we've checked off a lot of the list of things to do. Right. But like, holy crap, every every three or four days it'll be like, hey, guess what? It's this many days to your wedding. And I'll be like, that number is a lot smaller like, than it feels like it is. How about you shut up? Why don't you tell me what to do? Um, so, uh, Tegan... Thank you for joining me because this of is course. this has been like a, an idea of mine like stirring in the back of my head about how um wedding planning is sort of a weird nightmare. Not Oh yeah. So here's how I feel about weddings just to like set us up set the tone set the tone of the show um i think weddings are actually really fun and i like going to them and i think every wedding that i've been to has been like beautiful and uh lovely and i've really enjoyed them like i've cried at most people's weddings sure um the idea of planning one of my own is very stressful and um (laughs) both both my lovely fiance and i have a lot of trouble being like we deserve the attention we're getting and like um that's been a major like sticking point for us but also like the amount of stuff that the internet will heap on you to tell you that you have to do when you go to do this thing is uh, a little absurd and like I don't blame I will never ever call a bride a bridezilla like not that I ever have but I won't ever again if I have because like there's so much to think about and it's so overwhelming like how would you not freak out a little yeah absolutely you are entitled to at least one meltdown because you're planning a thing that people get like degrees and spend their careers learning how to plan yeah um so this podcast came up as an idea to like go through each step of what damon and i are like planning and working our way through yeah and talk a little bit about like um what we're doing as like a a way to feel validated (laughs) um and to talk about like what friends of ours have done that have that felt really nice but also to talk about like the weird ways the internet and the wedding industrial complex like to pressure you to feel like you have to do or what money you have to spend yeah for it to feel like a real wedding like where the traditions come from yeah why you're supposed to do this stuff because this is the thing so i am 
thoroughly unqualified to be uh, <laughs> co-hosting this podcast. My big qualification is that I decided a couple years ago that um, I was never going to have a wedding. Uh, not that I'm close to having one. I am an unengaged person. Uh, but I sort of said to myself, I was like, I'd been to a bunch of weddings and like you, like I love going to weddings and I think they're super fun. But then I had been in, I'd been to a couple and then I'd been in a couple. And then all of a sudden I was just like, I don't ever want this for myself. This yeah. is not a thing I want for myself. Yeah. Um, and then it just sort of struck me just how much of like wedding tradition is just made up. Oh, super made and, up. And like doesn't really mean anything or have anything to do with anything unless you make it mean something oh. specifically for you. Yeah. And that's the thing that I want to like, I know you and I have talked about this before, Tegan, that like we're, our focus here is not to like yuck anybody's yum. Like, oh, no, no, no. If there's a tradition that means something to you, like do it and Go have to all town. of our blessings. Yeah. But like if you are feeling pressure, to engage in a like wedding tradition or spend a certain amount of money that you do not have to make it feel like a real wedding, rest assured that the only thing you really need to do to have a wedding is to get your marriage license signed and validated and then you're done. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. And really that's like, I'd say like at least 30% of what Damon and I are doing. (laughs) Um, Well, good. You already, you've got it partway covered. Yeah. Um, So I figured this episode we would start uh, right at the very beginning, because that's a very good place to start. Um, Thank you, Julie Andrews. You're welcome. Um, with proposals, Great. Uh, both big and small. Let's talk about them. Um, oh, man. I uh, <laughs> I may have dug too deep into the like research that I wanted to do for this show. No so such thing. I, <laughs> um, Tell me about it. Well, um, wh- where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the, the history of proposals and yeah, where that comes from? With, let's start with the history. Um, so it's interesting. Um, there's not really a definitive like history of when the like a man getting down on one knee and asking a woman in like, you know, traditional like heterocentric um, cisgendered sure. wedding terms uh, that that doesn't have like a real starting point Mm -hmm. but there are a bunch of starting points for like when you get uh like the kind of like engagement that like we have today um and that probably started in the um early uh 1900s or around the 1930s when uh de beers campaign and we will talk in our next episode about engagement rings so that's a whole other thing excited but in this episode we're going to talk about proposals um and the like traditional proposal that we think of today as like the thing that's existed forever of a man getting down on one knee has existed probably since the 30s Interesting. Um, after a De Beers campaign where they declared that diamonds were forever and that's what you needed to do to like give your uh, bride the thing that she deserved. Because um, why not? Right? Get a piece of fancy glass. Exactly. Get a piece of fancy glass. Um, more on that later. Um, the Put idea of like uh, <laughs> the cat's on the top of the fridge again. Damn cat. <laughs> that's not a weird uh, euphemism. That's not a euphemism. The, <laughs> the cat is literally on top of the fridge. <laughs> Um, I, I could skip around a little bit inside my notes, but, um, there, uh, I mean, obviously if you think about it back in the day, proposals were more of a business arrangement and the like bride and groom themselves really had very little to do with it. Right. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it's, it's sort of, we still hold on to this tradition in some circles of the, like, you know, you got to ask the father for permission, Ugh. uh, which is uh, gross. Uh, <laughs> it, it is, it's gross nowadays, but like it very much started off as a, like, 
So, you know, you're going to negotiate the dowry. You're going to talk about like, okay, what are you going to give me if I like take your daughter off your hands for you? Uh, And back in the day, if you, uh, first of all, you could not break off an engagement for a certain period of time. I think this was like, um, I'm going to quote the wrong thing because I don't have the actual thing pulled up in front of me. Uh, Here we go. Um, If you threw off an engagement... Back in the day, first of all, there was a point of time where you could not throw off an engagement. Like if you got engaged to someone, you were getting married to them regardless of what happened next in your lives. Like interesting, anything happened, you were legally bound to that person already. You were just waiting to like make it real with wedding. Um, but then later on, uh, I want to say, I'm probably going to quote it wrong, but see our show notes for details. But I want to say late 1800s to the 1930s. Um, if you broke off an engagement with a woman, she was entitled to restitution. Um, and could take yeah. you to court and sue you for breaking off an engagement with her, and she would like get stuff for it. That makes sense, I guess. Because right? yeah, I mean, back in the day, like it was, it was way more of a of a business thing, and like not just for the dude. Like everyone involved was getting something that they needed. Oh yeah, where um, like the woman just like in general being able to like own land that way, right? Or be able to like <laughs> have a life that wasn't just like, well, I'm just gonna like tend to my father's cows for the rest of my life, right? You know, yeah. Um, so that's an interesting aspect of it. Yeah. And traditionally speaking, um, the man is the one who asks a woman to marry him in a heterocentric cisgendered world. Sure. Um, and a lot of, that's the really crappy thing about a lot of wedding traditions is they're all heterocentric and cisgendered. Like, uh, there's not a lot of room for anything else, but, um, Back in the day, somewhere vaguely, uh, a a weird tradition got started where on a leap year, a leap day, a woman could ask a man to get married to him, um, to her. Uh, And that was like the day that you could do that. The one day. The one day. There's a movie about it with Amy Adams. Uh, Is it about Leap Day, William? It's called Leap Day. It's called Leap Day? Or Leap Year. Oh, is that that one with her and, and Matthew Good? Is that that guy? He's like vague, handsome guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, vague. I like Matthew Good a lot. I was just talking about Matthew Good the other day about how he should be in more things. That's fair. So, you know. Because right now he's just vague, handsome guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole the whole movie's about her like thinking about whether or not she should exercise the right of the woman in an Irish like folklore tradition. Right. Because I remember he's playing in, they're like in Ireland in that movie. Yeah. yeah. And she's like thinking about who she should propose to on leap day. I'm like, you don't have to. Right. And it's also like, if you got a choice, if you're like, I could maybe marry this one dude or maybe marry this other dude, that means you're definitely cheating on somebody. <laughs> right. <and laughs> probably should think about your choices. <laughs> um, uh, so that, there was an interesting tradition to me because like, uh, actually still even today, I want to say that, um, there was a study done, and this is granted, it's just on one um, college, but they, I think that it said 80 or 90% of people said that they still think that the man should be the one to propose and that it's weird for a woman to propose. God. Yeah, that's strange to me. That seems like a really high number for the year of our Lord 2017. Yeah, and I'm wondering, like, what university they polled. I don't right. think it's like, a very was good it study. Brigham Young, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, like places with like some connotation to them about like what they think about gender roles. But like, um, that's interesting though. Yeah. And I was just thinking about like, um, proposals in general, like today, um, 
and not so much anymore. I think this has sort of died down a little bit, but the like very public proposal has been a thing that I've been thinking about a lot. Oh God, the like jumbotron proposal. Oh yeah. Or even worse, there's, oh man, this is a corner of YouTube that like it hurts to be on. Um, the rejected public proposals. Well, this is why you don't do a public proposal. And yeah. this, okay, this is also why, <laughs> this is my big thing about the way that like weddings work especially in movies, but also like in pop culture in general and sometimes in life, don't propose to someone if you don't know whether or not they're going to say yes. Oh, yeah. If you have not already had this conversation, do not propose. Like, first of all, like, if you propose to someone and you don't know whether or not they would say yes in a private setting, you're setting yourself up for some private heartache. But if you do it in a public setting, you're setting yourself up for humiliation. Right, like... There's a video Why of a man you do such a thing? who bought 12 iPads and lined them up no. and in a crowded mall, I think in Japan, I want to say, he proposed to his girlfriend who like he had barely started dating and was Ooh. like, look at all these iPads I can buy. And this was like when the iPad was fresh and new. And she was like, I gotta go. And she ran like weeping from the building because of course you're gonna run weeping right. from the building. Like, you know, well, your boyfriend's like, guy? marry me because look how many iPads I have. Yeah, first of all, that's not a great reason to get married to anybody. Also like, what? I know. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about that. Uh, it made me so uncomfortable. I closed the internet forever and never opened it again. Well, yeah, I mean like that's the that's the thing that to me has always like sort of blown my mind about proposals as a concept is like if you are in a serious enough relationship with somebody that you are considering marriage or that like marriage is on the horizon in some form like that's a conversation you need to have. Oh, yeah. That's not just like a thing you decide and then are like, I'm going to surprise you with like making you decide publicly whether or not you want to spend the rest of your natural life married to me. Yeah. Uh, life tip. If you are thinking about doing a public proposal for your sweetheart, you should probably already know that, that one, that they would say yes. And that two, they would like that public attention. Oh Yes. Because, like, that... That's a big thing also. Oh, yeah. There is nothing that would have broken me out in hives more than to, like, have that kind of public attention. Oh, God, that would be the worst. <laughs> That's my nightmare. I think I saw a one of those little, like, Cessna airplanes flying over top of Lake Michigan back in summer that said, like, will you marry me? And then, like, someone's screen name, I think. What? And I was like, this is a very interesting setup here. There are a lot of moving pieces here yeah i'm wondering like that kind of thing that you see just from like 15th hand you know like you're looking right. up in the sky and you just see this plane and the only thing that you know about it is like will you marry me ar 1223 like and i'm like i don't wow. i don't know <laughs> yeah like i don't know how to feel about that yeah um i hope that was like a fun sexy joke that they shared <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't just like some dude being like I met this girl on the internet and we've I've never, never met, met her in, person, in real life. But I know she lives in Chicago, so I'm going to fly a plane over and word. Because I'm going to tell you right that now. that costs also? A lot of money. And also, I'm going to tell you, if that's the case, that man is being catfished. <laughs> <laughs> there is absolutely no question. 100% that person you see does not exist. 100% that man has been catfished. <laughs> don't, don't propose to anybody you've never met in person. Seems like basic logic. Yeah. But if it was, <laughs> we wouldn't have catfished. We wouldn't. Still be using the term catfish. Oh, I hope that guy's getting a lot of money out of that, you know? 
Yeah. Do yeah. I? Is he Do fine? You... Neve? Nev? Neve? Neve Campbell? <laughs> Neve. No, it is. It's N-E-V. I, I can never remember Nev. if it's spelled Nev or Neve. I think it's Neve. Uh, well, he seems like kind of a D-bag. Apparently, well, sure. he once punched a woman in the face, but what? I don't remember why. <laughs> I don't think there's any good reason for that. There's not. I don't, I just, I say I don't remember why. Cause I don't remember like the context of that story. Like obviously he didn't just like walk up to a strange woman and oh punch God, her in the face. That would almost be better. It would. So I don't know how you're anyway. supposed to feel about him making money. He's making some, He's but making I don't know money. that you have to care. Oh God. Um, so that's like a brief overview of the barest of histories I, I read a bunch of stuff on the train on the bus home today so about like wedding proposals about proposals um and there was a lot of stuff about how um people still think that you should ask your dad that the your fiance should ask your dad before they propose um and that's always felt a little grody to me and actually yeah. i said that to my mom that i was i was feeling kind of grody about that and she was like well, I think it's a good idea because, like, he's going to marry into your family. And I'm like, well, absolutely, he should know your family. Well, then just, like, have a conversation with the family. Yeah. Don't be like, I need to ask your father for permission. Right. Well, it was something like 80% of people want them to ask your dad. 25% of people would prefer if you asked your mom, too. And, like, 3% of people yeah, didn't like, want you to do it at all. I mean, I kind of don't want – I wouldn't want someone to do it at all, but also, like – if you're going to ask somebody, like, don't leave my mom out, right? My mother is the decision maker in my parents' household. <laughs> she's the one with all the money. Do not leave. She's the one who balances the checkbooks. Don't leave her out of the decision making process. I think for me, the, um, yeah, that thing that felt weirdest about it was that it was like asking a, a male relative if like the woman could be given. Right. And that feels weird. And I think like I... What I do like about that idea, not the execution, is right. the like uh, the thought that you should like know the family that you're going to marry yes. into, and like absolutely let them be cool with it too. Because totally. when you get married to somebody, or when you get engaged to somebody, actually when you're in a relationship with somebody at all, you're sort of in a relationship with their family too. Totally, and that's kind of important. But um, it's definitely important, and you know I think that 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 certainly matters. But just like there's a certain weird connotation. To the idea of, like, I must ask your father for permission for your hand. I will have your hand if he so chooses. Right. It's like, I'm not going to chop off my hand and give it to you. That seems unnecessary. Right. Oh, a thing I thought about, um, and this is a little out of order, the uh, kneeling, the getting down on one knee thing. Yeah. Um, may have come from medieval times when a knight or nobleman of some sort would get down on a knee to a noble woman that he felt was of like higher status than him and he would like pledge his eternal devotion and like overwhelming love and adoration to her and like put her up on this pedestal that she like definitely did not deserve just like to be a, a, like it's it's sort of like a pledge of a pledge of fealty but not like so binding so it's kind of like what what the knights at medieval times do for like for that, eight year old like, girls little girl. who are there on their birthday. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's exactly like that. Cool. And, and often the like, I nodded like, oh yes. And the <laughs> same, often the women would be married, but these little eight year old girls are not married. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, uh, women back then would make back then medieval times would maybe get married when they were 12 or 13, but you wouldn't be expected to like do wifely things until 
you hit monarchy. <laughs> Tegan's favorite word. Oh God, I still hate that word. Uh, it's one of those words that I think like should make a comeback, but also but I don't also ever want to hear it again. Um, well, and also when you say it out loud, it just sounds like malarkey. malarkey. <laughs> Absolutely absurd. Which is how it feels. Which you know it is. Um, but that like idea of getting down on one knee, uh, probably came from that and like, makes sense, but seems very nightly, but it wasn't like a consistent thing from then to now. Um, in the, and historians aren't super sure whether or not the knight was getting down on his knee for the like woman or to pledge like loyalty to the noble man who she was married to often. Yeah. Um, but Who's to say? in the in-between period, the long in-between period between medieval times and present day, there was a period of time where years. like it was chill for you to just ask your friend to ask someone if they would marry you. Oh my God. Yeah. You'd be like, um, it's like passing notes in middle school. Like, like Brian, uh, Brian, go ask Denise if she'll get married to me. I got just paper says check. Go yes ask or Denise no. if she thinks I'm cute. Just tell her, I said, tell her I said that she's cute, but like, don't say that. Don't tell her that I told you to say it. Yeah, just say that. Say that I was just saying it out loud, and then like, tell her that I tell her that I want to marry her. Just tell her that I'm like, tell her I I I've got a car. I've got a car. <laughs> you don't even know what cars are yet because they don't exist, but I've got one. <laughs> this was like, this is back in like, uh, I want to say. The 1980s. The <laughs> 1980s. When shoulder pads were wide and women's rights were new. <laughs> Um, no, I, I think this was actually, um, what's Jane Austen's time? Regency? Sure. Something like that. There's a, there's friends of mine who will correct me on that. Meredith hit me up. Yell at us. Yell at us in our inbox. I'm going to work on getting us an email. I'll leave that in the show notes. Um, uh, but yeah, the like history of proposals has been really messy and weird like this whole time. Uh, but nowadays there's like... (laughs) There's this weird internet, like, you have to do it this way. You got to ask permission first, and then you got to get down on one knee, and you got to surprise her, but not too much. And, like, right. Yeah. And the idea that the man should be the one to do it. And I actually have been really interested in, like, the why of the, like, the thought of the only thing that I found that was any kind of, like, why is the man still the only one to do it kind of thing um, may have something to do with how, like, uh, back in the day, it was like the only sort of power that a woman had that she was the one holding court and a man was courting her. Yeah. So she could kind of say, not that she really had a, dif- like it was a fake power because if she said no and her parents were like, but you have to, she still would marry the right, person. But it's sort of the, you know, the game that you play. It's like, especially if you have multiple suitors, like you kind of get to play right. the game of like, which one will I pick? Which one will I have? Who brought me the best handkerchief? Right, um, exactly. I don't want handkerchiefs. It was a handkerchief economy back then. Handkerchief economy. <laughs> you can get a lot for one handkerchief. Handkerchief economy is the name of my new uh, punk band. <laughs> I was trying to think of a better genre. took a long time. I was trying to think of a better genre. And then I almost name of said Jonathan softcore. Franzen's new novel. And I was like, that's not a genre of music. Soft that's core. a genre of porn. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not That's that. why I didn't say it. <laughs> um, all that to say, uh, nowadays I don't totally understand why it's like a thing you have to wait for your, if you are in a heteronormative relationship, why you have to right. wait for your male partner to do that for you. Yeah. I mean, uh, if I may. Go on. Um, I'm going to interject here. This is both a 
vaguely relevant thing and also just a cute anecdote that I think fits in with the theme of this episode. Yeah. Uh, which is the story of how my parents got engaged. Yeah, tell me. Um, which is a story that I always enjoy telling people because... So my parents had been together for a little while, not a tremendously long time, but they were very much like one of those couples who like you get together and then you just are like, well, yep, this is the person. That's this the one. is my person. Um, and so they'd been together for a little while and my dad like... I don't know that he jumped the gun necessarily, but he was very much like, okay, I'm good. Like I'm set. And he asked my mom if she would marry him sort of just on a, not necessarily in any sort of grand proposal kind of way, but just in a, like, I've decided that this is what I want. Will you marry me? And she just goes, "Eh, ask me next year. (laughs) Come back again later. I'm busy. Exactly. Like sort of like a gone fish inside. And so he was like, uh, Okay. And I mean, they were like living together at the time. Like, oh, okay. it's, you know, there was a whole thing. So they were already well it's entwined. Like usually you think like rejected proposals usually lead to like the couple breaking up. Right. Because someone has made a gross misjudgment of where you are in the relationship. Right. But no, in this case, my mom, as she describes it, she's like, I mean, I loved him. I just wasn't ready to get married. Yeah. So fair. I just told him, I didn't say no. I just said, ask me later. <laughs> and so then my dad was like, okay, all right. And so he asked her the next year and she was like, eh, ask me next year. Ah. And, uh, Reader, listener, dear reader, dear reader, uh, this went on for nine years, nine years, nine years. Every year, my father would ask my mother to marry him. And every year she would say, ask me next year. And he would say, okay. And then he would do it. And then the next year she'd be like, eh, still ask me next year. Did he like have a ring ready to go? No, Was that a I don't thing? think she had an engagement ring. Okay. Um, but the funny part of the story is because it kind of goes along with the parental parental permission thing. Pimento permission. Pimento, pimento permission. A pimento. Um, so my mother is from an enormous Irish Catholic family. Uh, and so her parents are reasonably, reasonably traditional. And so at one point um, they were visiting my grandparents uh, and my father somehow ended up alone in the kitchen with my grandfather. Uh, and as he describes it, it was like there were a whole bunch of people there and then suddenly he turned around and it was just him and my grandpa. <laughs> and he's kind of like, uh, my grandfather, God love him, was a, a wonderful, sweet man, but he also, growing up, uh, all of his children called him Sarge. Oh, boy. Because he was like, he had 15 kids. He had to sort of crack some kind of a, a yeah. pattern. So he was a very, like, he was a he was a stern man. Like, he, he knew what was going on. He didn't mess around. And uh, so my dad ends up there, and there's sort of a moment of silence, and then my grandpa goes, so, uh, Chris Well, you, uh, you planning on marrying my daughter at any point? And my dad just goes, um, well, sir, uh, you will have to ask her. <laughs> and my grandpa didn't know what that meant. So my dad explained the whole story. And uh, as soon as he got done with the story, my grandpa just looked at him, stuck out his hand and said, you know what? You can call me Bill. Oh. And that was like the moment when my dad was finally allowed to call my grandpa by his first name. Was he calling him like Mr. He's calling him Mr. Walsh. Yeah. Yeah. And it was because that was the moment that like, one, I, I like to imagine that it was this moment of my grandpa sort of recognizing like the true nature of his child being like, yeah, that sounds like my <laughs> that daughter. Sounds correct. <laughs> that sounds like something my daughter would do, but also admiring like my dad's tenacity yeah. and the fact that he wasn't like, oh my God, I got rejected once. Like clearly we have to break up because there's been some terrible thing. Right. But just the fact that every year he was just like, okay, all right, all right, next time going to go for it next time. Yeah. And that their relationship was like good enough to just like continue on as it was. Right. Exactly. And then finally one year when he asked her, she was like, yeah, okay. And <laughs> sure. He, and he always talks about this where he was sort of like, 
and I just didn't know what to do. Like at that point I'd gotten so used to the, like that asked me next year that I never really thought about. I'll probably kill about, you in the morning, Wesley. hundred <laughs> percent. It was a Dread Pirate Roberts thing where he was like, I never really thought about like what would happen if she said yes. Cause I just assumed it would never happen that I would just be asking her for 30 years. <laughs> Aww. But yeah. And they've been married like a real long time they've now. They've been married a long time. They got married in 1980. Hey. Yeah. So they've been married yeah. almost 40 years. They got married one year after my parents got married. Yeah. Nice. They've been together a long time. Yeah. Man, that makes me think of, like, the reasons to get married, like, the reasons to, like, start down this path in the first place. Yeah. Um, and, like, for Damon and, and I, it was, like, for Damon and me? For Damon and me. Um, it For Damon and for me. For Damon and for me. Um, th- it was, like, it's, it's both a romantic decision and a practical decision. Sure. Like, we both love each other very, very much. And, like, I don't want to be with anybody else but him for, like, as long as we both shall live, I do. But, like... Uh, Keep practicing that. You're going to have to say, yeah, it say it someday. Um, but if if we could keep going like this forever and still enjoy the, like, legal benefits of marriage, like, filing our taxes together and him being on my insurance plan as, like, an equal partner right. and, like, having our kids... Like, the security of having your kids together under one, like, family roof. Like, yeah. I don't know that we would get married, you know? Like, it's expensive. And, sure, yeah. Uh, it's a whole to-do. Yeah, it's a whole to-do. Um, And it, it, it does sound like fun. Like, the thing that we're planning to do sounds like a fun time. But, like, it is a lot of money also. Right. Um, But, like, the reason... It, it's interesting to me, like, the reasons why people get married. Um, I remember my... Uh, there was a Spanish teacher in my high school who was like the, the loveliest woman in the whole wide world, this like bright and brassy lady. We all adored her very much, but she was always like, she told us a story about how she was always so against the idea of marriage that like it sort of, uh, and statistically, I know that there's been like studies about this, that like when people get married, in a heteronormative like marriage right. um the man benefits a lot more than the woman and like yeah. that it is often like a weird burden on a woman to get married to a man um and she was not about it she didn't want to do that she wanted to be her own woman forever and she sure. loved her at the time boyfriend i guess very much but it wasn't until they got pregnant with their first kid that she was like i want to get married to you so that we have the like the legal rights to take care of our kid. And especially because this was like the late seventies, I think, and you know, sure. Things have gotten a lot more progressive since then, but I think that things were tough for her trying to be like a technically single mother. Right. And for her daughter to like, not legally. Well, I mean, legally she has the parents she has, but like that they weren't bound together. Yeah. That there's, it's, it is, I think legally simpler in many ways to have married parents. And there's a lot of stuff. It's weird. There's a lot of stuff that becomes like a lot. It becomes very simple for like you to go along with the wedding establishment and become like a married person. And it's very easy for like, it's, it's super hard to change your name if you are not a woman getting married. It's weird. We'll talk about that in a later episode too. Yeah. Um, I have not even looked into that yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, it made me think of that for me, like the idea of getting married to Damon was because we love each other both very much and I want to start a family with him someday and I want to own property with him someday yeah. and like I want to put him on my insurance and one day maybe have him put me on his insurance and like have those legal benefits that like married people get in the United States. Sure. Um, 
and like join him in a proper like legal fashion to my family. Yeah. And, uh, that all makes sense. Right. But if you could do that without signing a legal piece of paper, I think we probably would Right. just be like, this is it. This is who we are. We are good now. Right. This is it. Um, cause we, we currently live together and like we've been living together for a good long time and been living in sin. (laughs) I don't know. It's my favorite phrase. Living in sin. Living in sin. Does it sound like you're always living in Las Vegas? Like, yeah, it just it sounds so <laughs> dramatic. I always imagine a, a like a convertible car with its top down. Yeah, that's all I imagine though. In living when in sin, living in sin, it's like someone like, throwing a sun hat behind them out the back of a convertible. So it's like a it's like a women's razor commercial. It's absolutely what it is. It's like that, and then a tampon commercial. Like living in sin is riding a horse while wearing white pants. Oh wow. <laughs> I mean, that is living in sin. That is living in sin. You're going to get fucking, like, leather markings on your white pants. If you don't risk your period stains. You're going to get all kinds of brown things on those pants. God. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) We'll do another podcast where we talk about disrupting the feminine hygiene industry. Oh, yeah. Get ready for that one. It'll be called Heavy Flow. Um, we're not doing that no, podcast. No, we're not doing that podcast. Oh, thank God. Um, I guess, like, to, to just wrap it up, I was going to talk about, like, how Damon and I proposed. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, so he and I decided we wanted to do something mutual, and I think that a lot of that was because, like, I had expressed that, like, I feel uncomfortable with the idea of, like, of some, like, of making him declare his love to me without me doing something in return for him. Sure. Especially because he's so important to me. Um, so we decided together that we were going to go up and we got, uh, we made vacation plans to go up to Mackinac Island. Um, and we drove up there together and we, you know, you park your car on the one side of the ferry and you take a ferry across to the island and then the island is like this, uh, car free haven it's so quiet and weird um all these like brightly colored like beach housey like old victorian houses that are um bed and breakfast and stuff like that you you park your car there Uh, like they should be the setting for like a nora roberts book yeah so it is the setting for a movie with um christopher what's his face superman Christopher Reeve, thank you, Damon, and Jane Seymour called Somewhere in Time. And Ooh. it is like the one thing that Mackinac Island banks really hard on you remembering. Sure. There were commemorative stained glass pieces that had Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour immortalized forever in them. Wow. Yeah, we thought about buying one. That, I think that would go well in your future. <laughs> um, but we went up there and you you bike around the island or you take a car or a horse and carriage which horses make me uncomfortable so we skipped it they're very scary <laughs> they're very big and scary and they smell bad they have a lot of muscles and they like they're like they're like angry kids you know oh yeah horses are are a dangerous thing they're why did we domesticate thing. horses right? it's a bad idea but we skipped that part but we rented some bikes from our lovely bed and breakfast host and we biked around the whole island um, and we stopped at a little like grocery store thingy that they had there and we bought some port wine cheese sure. and a bottle of wine that we poured into one of our water bottles and, uh, some Classic. crackers. Yeah. And we biked around the whole Island and we kept trying to find like a quiet and secluded place to like propose to each other. And at one point we pulled over at this, like, there's a big stopping place where there's like an ice cream stand and there's like a path off of that. And Damon, uh, walked up the path a little bit and there was a tree that had fallen down over the path. And we we're like, Oh, that's going to be really private. No one's going to walk over there. 
there and we're like, great, great, great. And we walk over the tree and we take two or three steps into the woods and there's, I've never seen so much poison ivy in my life. (laughs) And we went, nope, nope, back on the bikes. And we like backed up and found a different place. And we parked by this like little historical sign for something about Mackinac and like sat there in the sunshine, like in our biking gear by the lake. And we pulled out our cheese and wine and we like ate a little bit of it while this like family with a kid like stopped by real quick to read the sign. And we're like, this is great. I'm having a really fun time. And we were both like sitting there quietly kind of being like, get out. We're trying to have a moment. Like I was really nervous, even though I knew like we had decided we were going up together to do this. Oh yeah. It's still like, I imagine even when you're prepared for a thing to happen, like if it's a big life thing, it's still like nerve wracking. It was a little spooky. Um, but they finally went away. Did your proposal have a ghost in it? I invoked the spirit of Jane Seymour. Oh, thank God. She's alive. She's not dead. But, but <laughs> she still, was there. She's very powerful. Um, you'd think I would have invoked she Christopher Reeve. She can astral project. But I was like, he's done enough. He Let has. him rest. R.I.P. Um, <laughs> but we we parked there with our bikes, and we, we sat and ate some cheese and drank some wine, and then we said some really sweet things to each other about how we loved each other, and we're excited to, like... Uh, do this together and get all married and junk. And I hope you said exactly those I'm words. I'm real excited to get all married and drunk to you. Um, no, we talked about how like how much how much this relationship surprised us and like how much it meant to us and that like the world seems easier with each other around. And then. I gave him a watch and he gave me a lovely ring and we drank a little bit of wine and we smooched and then we drove back, we rode back to our bed and breakfast that did not have any keys. <laughs> cool. So you think it'd be like, it's a very romantic night, except that it felt like, you know, staying over the night at your grandma's house where like, right, where you the just like walk in and it's just like, well, the doors don't have keys and there was a whole family reunion that was staying in the building we were staying in, except for our room, which was the, the only room was just us. So it really felt like going home for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so we've decided if we're ever going to go back there. Touch. Yeah, we're going to get a hotel room with an actual key. That's nice. Um, but it was a really sweet little bed and breakfast. And like, well, that's not, that's a very good little engagement. Thanks. I would say that's, that beats a jumbotron any day. Oh, I mean, I'm not into sports enough for a jumbotron to have worked. I might've been looking away. True. Who's I mean, to say? How much does it cost to do a jumbotron? I don't know. How much time I would do you be get? The one. Do you pay by the second? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, do you pay by the second? Like, I, what if she's not looking? That's all. If you know stuff about Jumbotrons, you should email us. <laughs> At whatever our email address is, dot com. <laughs> it will be in the show notes. You'll find it in the show notes. Um, I think that's all I have to say about wedding proposals. Do you have anything you want to add, Tegan? Feelings you have? What would be I your don't. least favorite way to get proposed to? Oh, God. Um, my least favorite way to get proposed to... Um, Via flash mob. Ah, yep. Yeah, that just like viscerally popped into my head as like a very disturbing thing that I don't ever want to happen to Mm me. Um, So if anybody is ever thinking about proposing to me via flash mob, cut it out. Don't do it. First of all, talk to Tegan first about whether or not you should propose at all because it sounds like she's not into that. You know, it's a conversation we should have. Right. Uh, Chill out. Everybody chill out. 
that's the thing. If you're going to take away anything from this podcast, do whatever proposal makes sense to you. Like if your partner would really like a jumbotron traditional proposal, right? Go, go and to do town. it. But make sure that you know them well enough before you do that thing, right? Well, because I think the sort of the 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 crux of this podcast to me, and like because the the crux at least of my personal issues with the wedding industry <laughs> are like that so much of it is based on these are the traditions to which you must adhere rather than like, these are the things that you can pick and choose from based on what your relationship is. Yeah. And so I think like the biggest thing you should take away from this, uh, this podcast is like, do whatever works for you and your relationship. Absolutely. We're going to offer some advice as we go along through this podcast. And as I figure out what, like together with Damon, as I figure right. out what the hell wedding planning even means and how you even do those sort of things, we'll have some advice and some like stumbling steps that I've taken. But like in the end, do what you want. Like it's your wedding. Yeah, it's your wedding. It's your life. Spend your money that you have how you right. want to. It is also your money. It is also That's your the thing money. we will talk about soon. And your family and like figure it out on your own. You're going to do fine. And yeah. like don't let the internet tell you you have to do anything. Right. Oh, God, I have so many stories. The internet's not your mom. The internet is not your mom. And only let your mom tell you what to do if she's, like, helping. Right. Also, your mom is just your mom. Your mom's just your mom. She's your mom's chill. not you. Yeah. You're only, only you are you. Only you are you. That's really the moral. That's only really the moral. You That's you. a very, like, Mr. Rogers way to end this. Right, and about as vague as you can get. Oh, just the <laughs> vaguest. It's, like, such a such a nonsense platitude. <laughs> only you are only you, Only you friends. are you. Um, let's remember that for later. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, America. We'll see you next time when we talk about engagement, engagement rings. Thanks for listening to My Wedding Industrial Complex. If you have any thoughts or comments you would like to send to us, you can contact us at mwicpodcast at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us on our website, which is myweddingindustrialcomplex.wordpress.com. Thanks to our composer, Charles E. Miller, for our theme song. And as always, do what you can afford. <laughs>